right? Three, two. everybody it's me asad hashmali back again with another episode of behind the grind this week's episode is um very interesting because i've been following this space for a while and i think that the situation that we are in where there's been a big conversation about uh, emerging pakistan and digitizing pakistan now we are probably seeing us reap the rewards of all of these efforts coming in so i thought that you know who better to have on this show than mr fawad abdul qadir sir how are you I'm good this thank you for having me My pleasure thank you for coming on and I think the role that you're playing right now in this whole financial inclusivity exercise and digitization exercise you're right at the you're in the center in a way you are the one that's kind of seeing a lot of this come into life all the efforts that have been going on for the past 4 5 years and you've entered I think Paymob has entered at kind of this sweet spot where now this acceptance from the customer side Yeah I I completely agree we we are at the stage in the financial service revolution i would call it mm-hmm. in pakistan where things are about to just take off mm-hmm. um so i think a lot of players in the industry have done really good work mm-hmm. and all of that is now culminating into yeah. something substantial mm-hmm. so let's talk about that a little bit this is a, this is my first question in the past 20 years because you also have a you have an exp, you have a history and experience in the banking side you've been involved heavily Yeah. um with the financial space in Pakistan how have you seen this industry evolve to okay. now getting to this revolution that you're talking about yeah so i think uh, it all started way back late 90s actually when when uh, debit cards and the pos hmm. acquiring started it was basically star chart and city at that time who started this change and uh, of course the adoption of it was slow initially but of course all the banks decided to go that route so mm-hmm. the early 2000s were about uh what we used to call it at that time in bank alternate distribution channels mm-hmm. which would mean an atm which would mean a post machine anything non cash card internet banking mobile mm-hmm. banking where it was all based on accounts okay. right which was which were conventionally open on the branches okay it only happened in 2008 where state bank came out with the branches banking regulations Okay. Uh, with the with with the launch of Easy Pesa and then mm-hmm. Jazz Cash followed and mm-hmm. the wallets came in and and then um, you you were talking about agency banking that was happening mm-hmm. outside the banking branches mm-hmm. and then the fintech uh, uh, mm-hmm. came in where people who were who were working in the financial service industry uh, had experience on the financial services. but came out and established organizations which were working just on pure technological developments mm-hmm. which would help work as a front end to the banks mm. and front end to the uh, lending partners or whoever and then start to offer uh, unique services to the market that's okay. how it all started so 2008 was that like inflection point where things would start changing Yeah so uh, a, a major point mm. yes because there's now regulation for it yes. so what do you what what has led to this now rise in investment in the fintech space okay so look we 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 all talk about the large population that we have mm. the And same stats the, the 33 same stats million that have been sold to the industry mobile phone penetration all of that exactly right 
but we 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 have to understand that it's it's a long journey, right? Because because of the low literacy rates, because of the lack of awareness of people on the financial services mm -hmm. side, uh, of course, less financial inclusion that happened. So you when we started in two thousand eight, less than ten percent of Pakistan population had financial accounts with them mm. or formal sort of uh, financial services that they were they were uh, adopting so the thing is it, it it has been a long journey i do understand that we have been working like for the last 15 years if i if i take 2008 as the inflection point we are setting in 2023 where it has been like a 15 year journey that mm. we are looking back at so a lot of lot of things have evolved Hmm. And of course, banks had a legacy infrastructure. So investing into new technology, bringing that up also took some time. Mm -hmm. So I think all of that, that did take some time. But over, over a lot of work that was done in the last 15 years, we have come to a stage where the now stage is set. We have mm -hmm. acquiring players like Paymob coming into Pakistan, investing into the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question of why we are seeing so much investment, the reason for that is that all that hard work has set up the space in such a beautiful way that people like us can come in and build on top of it mm -hmm. because we have now the technology that can actually uh, work on top of what the hard work of wallets and financial inclusion and the banks mm -hmm. have done in the last 15 years. So the way I see this is that it's kind of like a layered approach. Because first of all, the regulation was made. Then on top of that, banks convinced their customers to convince them to get them to start being digital. And then on top of that came the EMIs. And then you have more access, readily available access because of the lack of K minimal KYC. Not lack of KYC, but minimal KYC requirement. And then comes you, which is enabling people to make payments and transactions faster. But... I feel like there are a lot of lessons for us to learn from the outside world as well, where that layered approach has worked, but then also has kind of led to some question marks to arise in this fintech space as well. Case in point is the UK right now, where there's somewhat of a fintech bust happening. There was so much money being pumped in with the whole idea of open banking and APIs being made to now where the customer is probably not feeling satisfied enough to use the tools that are readily available. What do you feel like? Do you do you feel like we're even at that point to see something like this happen in Pakistan, or is there still a lot more gro growth in space to kind of get more accounts or more more people involved in digital transactions? Yeah, so we 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 are far from a from from a saturation point or from from uh, on a point where we start to think about if it is working or not, right? Mm. Because because still we are like around thirty percent of our population is banked, so there is a lot of room for still wallet players to expand. Mm -hmm. Then the acquiring side is still untapped. So we have like, what, around 100,000 acquiring points mm -hmm. right now in Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, on a, on a, on a, in a country where uh, 5 million SMEs by, by mm -hmm. different margins. So there is no fixed mm -hmm. uh, or correct or accurate number that I can quote. Mm -hmm. But by different estimates, around 5 million SMEs out there, right? Uh, 100,000 merchants uh, or retailers having a POS machine is is uh, still a very small thing. Mm -hmm. So I think we at this stage are still expanding. Mm -hmm. It's yet to be seen the results uh, that that would come from all this investment. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we are sure of because we have successful models in Pakistan that have actually uh, worked 
in this space for a while mm-hmm. and 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 developed the market in a way where they be, where they became uh positive in in uh, in the economic sense of of the business as well mm-hmm. so i i think there is enough in the market if you go with the right model if you go with a model which which the world had adopted and and we have to keep in mind that the world before 2022 was different yeah and today after the economic recession around the world yeah. the world especially in the startups in the fintech space has changed yeah. because earlier it was all about growth yeah today it's all about being sustain being sustainable being uh, unit positive yeah. right so that's 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 the difference that has come in hmm. and i think it's a good change hmm. it's a good change because uh, people are tested for the business case that they are bringing to the table mm-hmm. because earlier it was more about okay i'll go for a valuation i'll i'll build something up whether it's sustainable or not was not the question mm-hmm. today every business who's be, who's raising investments even uh it's difficult to raise investments yeah. in this time but whoever are raising investments have to prove that it's also a sustainable business model which is going to grow yeah. on its own and it can sustain on its own mm-hmm. so i think it's it's a it's it's something that's testing but it's something that i think would bring in much uh good work to mm-hmm. the market so for there to be this solid business case behind it firstly how about you explain to me the um, the business case behind paymob coming into pakistan because paymob is not a, a locally founded startup right originated from egypt it's in uae as well i think yeah. um what led the founders and that team to kind of invest over here and and start shop over here with you sure so we are now uh in uh, uae ksa and oman other than pakistan and egypt mm-hmm. so when they decided to expand out of egypt pakistan was the first market that we came to okay. uh, before ua and saudi before also. ua and saudi wow and the re- they were they were mainly two reasons one the market was very similar because when um, the acquiring setup started in egypt we had around the same numbers in egypt right mm-hmm. 70000 post machines today they have grown 10 times that Okay. Right. So, um, so the thing is, they saw, they did their research, and they saw a lot of similarities between the market, even consumer behavior, even mm-hmm. the uh, inclusion uh, numbers, and, and a lot of lot of consumer behavior that we could relate to. So that was probably the reason that mm-hmm. uh, they they decided to come to Pakistan. Okay. And as they decided to come to Pakistan, and as we as we have expanded in the last one year, I think. the decision to come here is is only uh, more strained because because of the space that we have right so uh, like you said what what makes us uh, look at pakistan in a in a positive acquiring so we do acquiring right so what we do is we digitize merchants mm-hmm. to accept and make payments that's that's the that's core thing no wallet it. no investment nothing no so all of those we support to our partners okay. so we are very focused company on payment tech right? okay so what we do is we work with banks uh, as our acquirers as our partners and we go and digitize merchants mm-hmm. for their payments right uh, whether it's acceptance and we work on different verticals it could be e-commerce that you are talking about it could mm-hmm. be a large retail store it could be a corporate anyone who any business uh, that's operating has to accept or make payments mm-hmm. and we we provide them one of our tools or one of our products to do that okay. that's what we do 
right? So that we felt that the market has the potential to digitize payments in it. And I think that's uh, something that we are seeing in the last one year uh, has been amazing for us. Okay. And how are we doing on this digitization journey so far? So far, it has been great. So we have now uh, gone on to launch. So we started our first product was the e-commerce uh, IPG, Internet mm -hmm. Payment Gateway. Uh, that we have uh, already rolled out. That's already deployed. The second one was our point of sale machines, mm -hmm. which we rolled out in February 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, they are rolling out SoftPoss next month. What is uh, SoftPoss? So SoftPoss is our application, which you can download on any phone, which is NFC enabled, and it starts it start to accept okay. payments, right? right. Cool. So uh, the challenge with digitizing the retail, especially when you go down the market into the SME and the micro SME, mm -hmm. was the investment that you have to do on the device, yeah. which is which which costs somewhere around $200, mm -hmm. which you have to deploy at a merchant. Yeah. Now, for the merchant to deploy that $200 machine, uh, would not make sense because, of course, he's already accepting payments in cash. Yeah. Uh, for us to deploy it at a merchant would only make sense if it creates an ROI for us. Right? Yeah. There has to be a return on that investment. So what this does is this creates a hybrid model where the merchant has a phone, which he can use for all other purposes, which he already does. But if it is just an NFC-enabled phone, he can download an app. Take uh, the card, swipe it Take the, the card. Just tap it and charge. Good and one good thing that happened in Pakistan around uh, three, four years back that the regulator mandated the EMV chip on every card, right? Now, what that did for us, it created a market on the issuance side, mm -hmm. which, would, which would work on tap, right? Yeah. And most of the applications now are also having cards enabled on it yeah. to tap and pay. So, so the issuance side already did that in, in the last three, four years. So for acquiring to now adopt just tap and pay was uh, a simple mm -hmm. uh, decision for us. Mm -hmm. So now the, this is where I, I get a bit confused when I look at the, the financial space because it's like on one side you have you have the banks and the banks were previously the ones that would give all these products and now and even payment solutions, payment collection solutions, payment tech as you called it, I like that. So they were the ones that were giving payment tech even the POS and all of those things. And now you have folks like PayMob. But there's one aspect of putting that, putting the machine or the soft POS solution or, you know, and putting that in all sorts of kiryani ki dukaan yeah. But then you also have to have customers on the other end to be able to tap the card. Yeah. Because that's only when it's actually functional. That's when it's serving its purpose. Yeah. And that's also then when you also have an upside. Yeah. How do you take care of the other side of this? How are you seeing that evolve? I don't know if this is like a demand supply issue or how would you frame this, but it's more like, you know, the transactor versus the transactee in a way. Yeah. So in payments, we call it demand and supply. The supply okay. is the source of funds, okay. which in this case is card, what you're talking about. The customer. The customer, right? Okay. Who's carrying a card. Right. And the demand is the merchant who's basically demands the money okay. from the customer. Yeah. So look, in the like I said, so we have if, if I if I were if I were to go into numbers, hmm. Pakistan has around 50 million cards. Out of that, there are a lot of social welfare cards. So if we remove that, around 30 million debit cards. 30 right. million debit cards. 30 million debit cards. Right. How many banks, how many accounts are open in Pakistan? Uh, so we have around 63 million accounts. The last figures that I read, around 63 million accounts and around uh, 50 million wallets. Uh, really? Active wallets, yeah. Wow. 
Okay. So the issuance side is much more worked upon, uh, especially by the banks and the financial institutions like Jazz Cash, Easy Pesa, launching their wallets, branchless banking institutions. So I think I think a lot of work went there. So when you asked me if I, if we uh, would want to go into this space, no. So we partner with Easy Pesa, Jazz Cash. So for for instance, we are we are now integrated to both of these players and we accept their wallets regardless of the cards hmm. right so so you what what we are we are trying to do is accept different instruments so one instrument is the card yeah. itself which is like 30 million but then you have like 50 million wallets out there mm-hmm. right so enabling them to pay is also a source of funds for mm-hmm. us yeah. so it's not necessarily cards that we are talking about it's also the wallets mm-hmm. and then the accounts mm-hmm. and then uh, a lot of uh, lending players are coming in, like buy now, pay later, yeah. who we are integrating again as source of funds. Mm-hmm. So our job is to make sure that all the different source of funds in the market are integrated onto our platform mm-hmm. to provide merchants the capability to take payments from anybody who is digitized. Now, people who are not digitized, right? Mm. So they're entities doing great work there and we would like to support them mm-hmm. rather than go there them ourselves mm-hmm. so now with with 63 million bank accounts and 50 million wallets right what what type of transactions do we need to start seeing to be able to kind of make this positive for payment techs like yourself or for other fintechs in this space right now okay so what we look at is the ability of the merchant to accept payments, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, the the transactions that are happening on ground at the merchant level are more important because when we, when you talk about the issuance side and we talk about transactions there, so there are different type of transactions there. Like so, even a cash withdrawal from an ATM mm-hmm. is a transaction that's recorded onto this. Mm-hmm. What we look at is the transactions that are happening on the demand side of it, which is the merchant, which is basically accepting payments mm-hmm. now if, if we see that that's like you already know that we it's a it's a it's a huge market out there out there which is which is on cash mm. right the idea is to convert that onto digital mm-hmm. and the idea is to capture that because if you talk about the business case the business case comes from so if i if i go into the economics of it comes from a charge which which we charge the merchants mm-hmm. for digitizing their payments mm-hmm. right and if the merchant is accepting a digital payment through mm-hmm. us and the volumes that the merchants are generating is large enough mm-hmm. it automatically makes a business case for us okay okay so then is there anything that you can do to promote the digital sale even further instead of just working with the merchants yeah so look when when we work with the merchant so look when we work with the merchant so it's all connected to the merchant for mm. us right but to promote transactions you have to work on different levels with the merchant mm-hmm. right so if you are like i said engaging the merchant with different payment methods mm-hmm. like if he was accepting just cash mm-hmm. you are now asking him to accept cards you are asking him to accept wallets you are asking him to accept buy now pay later mm-hmm. you are asking him to accept accounts as a payment method right mm-hmm. so you are increasing that for mm-hmm. him so if if you are increasing that options for him of course his ability to sell increases to these customers. Okay. The second thing that we do with these mer- merchants is we we have a vertical call, which you call grow, right? Mm-hmm. So we go with these merchants and the merchants who have uh, good uh, 
business volumes and, and have a tendency to grow further, we work out a uh, plan with them, which could be like marketing support, which could be incentivization of their customers and things like that, discounts, mm -hmm. campaigns that we can run with them. So what we do is we work with them to increase the conversion from cash to digital. That's, mm -hmm. that's another thing that we do with them. So, and then of course we create visibility from them. So we, mm -hmm. we, there is a vertical that we have, which we call manage. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea for that is to give our merchants the visibility to of their business right so if if i were to on a single click see how many transactions are throwing flowing through my system mm -hmm. how many uh, customers walked in how many customers paid me in digital mm -hmm. we 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 can create that visibility for our merchants and that's another value add that we give to them mm -hmm. and then through our partners like i said earlier it's like when you have that kind of a data on the merchant you can actually create lending opportunities for the lending partners so we don't lend ourselves but mm -hmm. we create this, those opportunities where uh, our partners can lend to these merchants whether it's for working capital or whether it's like uh, things like uh, buy now pay later for them so okay. yeah so that's that's creating value for the merchant mm -hmm. so for us everything revolves around the merchant okay all right interesting so um What about for the, the digital side of things? Because this, so far, it seems like our conversation has been focused towards, I've been perceiving it as physical merchants in the SMEs, uh, MSMEs. But um, what do you, what's your take on the, the gig economy and the freelance economy of Pakistan? Yeah. So, like I said, we that's where we started off in Pakistan, right? So with our internet payment gateway that we came in with, mm -hmm. uh, we started to work with the digital side, okay. digital, digital online so, yeah. uh, businesses. And that's something that we do uh, very regularly. And, and we have a dedicated team uh, for uh, reaching out these uh, mm -hmm. merchants who are working online. Uh, we also have something that we call payment links for, for merchants who do not have a website, right? Pass on a link, uh, pay through Pass that. on a link. And, and when you talk about freelancers, mm -hmm. we basically, when, when we launch our uh, tap on phone, mm -hmm. uh, soft pass, we're also coming up with payment links on the app. So you can have a PayMob app, which you can mm -hmm. send payment links to. And we are basically focusing on freelancers to collect their payments through this. Okay. Right? So, so the ability to, for you to create an invoice, mm -hmm. regardless of having or not having a website or, or having a digital front for your store, you can actually ask anybody to pay you mm -hmm. if you are invoicing them. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you don't keep the money. It's going straight into that person's account. Of course. So okay. uh, we cannot keep the money. Okay. Uh, the money is transacted okay. and it's settled into the person's account okay. as per the settlement so, commitments that we have. See. I'm sorry. I feel like this is also like teaching time for you. Okay, tell me more. Teach me more about the fintech space. <laughs> but uh, fine with but um, I want to get a little bit into uh, what I was trying to draw a connection to with the UK fintech space as well. I want to know your thoughts on what's happened on the east of our country in India and in Bangladesh. What do you feel like are some key lessons over there with how they've managed to digitize their payments and how they've managed to digitize. Well, fintech is quite big over there. Paytm is huge. It's massive. What's your take on how these countries are thriving and what opportunities exist for us over here? Or what sure. we can learn from there? Yeah. So I think um, if you talk about India, um, government intervention hmm. was the key of the change that 
brought was brought in there mm-hmm. um they have a unified payment uh, rate which which we are now going to and we are we have started to implement uh, we have rast yeah. uh, which we are imagining to be the equivalent to upi at some point in time uh rast is again a regulators initiative that they took uh, in pakistan for uh creating a rail which would which would be commercially viable for the merchants to accept mm-hmm. payments because one uh hindrance right now for adoption of digital payments is the price point mm-hmm. so the merchants a lot of merchants feel that they do not have the margins especially in in current economic situations they do not have the margins for uh paying the digital payment service providers mm. right and therefore the mar- the the price points needs to go down now for the larger uh scale businesses this might not be a big issue and therefore you'd see them adopting digital payments easily but for business lines or for industries where the margins are already very thin mm-hmm. this becomes a challenge so the regulator is working on it and i think one thing that we can learn is basically so the local payment trails have a price point which is acceptable to the industry for digitizing of payments mm-hmm. now once we have that uh i i believe and i think uh, the industry believes that you will be able to digitize a lot more use cases than you have today and you would be able to penetrate down the market and digitize any use case because then the pressure on the price uh, goes away Hmm. so uh that's one learning the second learning that you can draw from bangladesh is of course about lending and and how they involved communities into hmm. uh the financial services through lending and i think lending is a very important source and this is something that i think a lot of fintechs have started to realize in pakistan and therefore you see a lot of fintechs coming into this space um of course when when this happens you you hear about all those uh nightmarish stories about uh lending but the thing is this is where the regulator will come in and i believe that it would it would pay way for uh, uh lending which 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 would be good for the industry because businesses need capital to grow yeah and in order for businesses to get that capital and and get lending they need to get documented and they need to be uh some way be able to prove uh, their business transactions hmm. and payment there is nothing better than payments in yeah. that because the more payments you clock the better evidence you have that what sort of cash flows and what sort of fund flows you have uh in your business and that helps lenders to lend so i think these two are the key hmm. points that we can take away hmm. okay so you because you have um again like as i mentioned you know the point that you are at the position you're in it's very unique position because number one your own track record and number two um being in this space in this time in particular and now there's this kind of rise of startups and you also have um more and more attraction towards the freelance economy as well in mm-hmm. a way i'm saying this because i see a lot of youtube ads of people selling courses on how to become a freelancer yeah um but i also feel like the the solution that you provide is kind of it seems like it's a it's a very seamless experience for you to just collect money from your customers and have it in your account that's half the game right there yeah. african closing the sale yeah but still we tend to look at foreign competitors we tend to look at solutions that exist outside of pakistan 
one argument might be that that money is is connected directly to our overseas account and then we can de-risk ourselves what's your take on that how would you manage to convince someone that yaar maybe it's better for you to be in pakistan because of i don't know any reason whatsoever yeah so look most of the businesses in pakistan have local accounts right yeah. so of only a few would would have foreign accounts where they are maintaining their mm. funds but majority have local accounts mm. but as you still see penetration into that of look of international gateways coming in so mm. stripe offers its services to pakistan even though they are setting internationally and they settle in mm. from international accounts and yeah. people actually get uh, those funds after quite a number of days because it comes in as a remittance yeah and then uh, the the charges are higher as well so i i believe when when we talk about international gateways coming to pakistan and offering it's more about people's trust in the service and their dependability on 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 the services that they provide and how they provide it mm-hmm. the uh, the operational efficiencies that they bring into the table so it's about local players following suit and and making sure that they are able to provide the same services uh, locally uh which we believe we do and therefore uh we don't see uh, international players as a threat anymore okay and how do you manage to continue to build trust with the merchants to actually use a local company instead of an international company because not just for the sake of like you know operational efficiency but then there's also this factor of what if my money goes somewhere else you know and we've seen cases like that pop up to from local payment gateways so what's your take on that so look when when you're talking about local payment gateways if if they are working in a structured environment um uh, they're usually working with a bank uh even the regulators license for ps or psp you have to have a settlement bank as a partner hmm. so generally the trust comes through the bank okay because if you have a bank that you that's working with for instance if we talk about paymop paymop is working with bank alfala right so a lot of merchants ask us that question uh, in fact one of our merchants recently asked us that question that how would you entrust us hmm. with uh, with the fact that um, we we are basically transacting on your platform but if you don't settle us uh, what happens then and then we uh, we involved our banking partner we got on a table with them and we were able to show them that look your funds are absolutely safe because because there is a settlement bank that we have that's settling you on a regular basis so i think it's more about creating that awareness mm-hmm. uh for the trust i i feel there is no uh how should i put it uh, there is no this 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 is more of a myth that your funds would be gone rather than uh a, a, a truth So I think this needs to be catered through awareness rather than anything else. Okay. And with the current challenges that we're facing, um what do you feel like are some opportunities that exist for us to tap into or for more competitors or more entities like PayMob to really tap into? So when you say uh current situation, uh, the challenge right now that we're all I think we're all seeing is political unrest, the dollar devaluation. Yeah. Um it's getting harder uh to do business in a sense so do you think that there's some opportunities that exist over there look uh i hope the political unrest settles soon so that's that's one uh, mm-hmm. of course 
um, that does create challenges for any anybody who's operating in the country. Uh, however, uh, this results mainly for us in an economic challenge, right? Yeah. Uh, in the economic challenges, I see that as an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the reason for that is because we have seen a lot of investment come into Pakistan in the last three years, yeah. right? Uh, a lot of lot of new startups have raised money, burned money, and then just vanished, right? So the idea is to to have uh, startups or have organizations uh, create a sustainable model. And for that, you have to really, really create a business case and a, and, and a business model that, that is sustainable, which, which does not require you to burn all the time. The one key exercise that Paymob does is a, road, a roadmap to profitability, because we understand that whatever we raise, that's there to invest, but we need to have a model that would become profitable in, in, the, in, in, this, uh, in the future somewhere, right? So uh, keeping a very close eye on it. Secondly, operational efficiency. I couldn't emphasize on it enough. I know I've said this before, but this is something that is key because until unless you don't operationalize yourself in a way which is sustainable and which would give you uh, a good service and a good repute in the market, you will not be able to sustain. So I think in these times, in these difficult times, one thing that you need to do is make sure that you, the cost that you are incurring on things is really resulting in some, some sort of a return for you. Mm -hmm. So there's no cost that goes into waste. Mm -hmm. So that every, make every dollar count that you're spending, right? Mm -hmm. That's very important. And the second thing is, of course, while you're doing it, Create efficiency where you, you can multiply the effect of each dollar that you have invested, right? So I think these two are the major things. And look, every economic uh, uh, downturn will have an upturn in, in, a, in a couple of years. That's what history teaches us. So we believe that this is going to go upwards uh, in the next couple of years. And once it does, everybody who is sustained through these difficult times uh, by employing these tactics, we will have a lot to gain because you will be in a position where you have operationalized yourself, you strengthen yourself as an organization, where you become, uh, where, where you're unit positive. And then when the growth comes, you, you really harness that growth. So, yeah, so I think that's the way to survive in the current situation. Okay. All right. So, I have one more question to add, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But um, on in that same vein, what do you feel like for you personally? What What do you feel like your business needs um, to kind of thrive more? That could be something on the regulatory side, some easing over there, maybe the development of new policies, of new frameworks. Okay, so look, I think the regulator have, over the years has done a breach. Right. Uh, and why do I see that? Because I think if you if you see the the amount of regulations that have come out, uh, starting from the Brussels back that I uh, mentioned earlier in 2008, we have had in 2014 PSO PSV regulations, which is for the payment service operators and providers. Then uh, the EMI regulations for electronic money institutions. Recently, there to banking licenses. So I think the regulator has done its bit, right? I think what we need to, as, as an industry, do more 
is come out with innovative products, yeah. uh, research, right? So uh, a lot of products that we come out with are designed in uh, closed rooms where uh, the target market or the or the customer who for whom the product is designed does not have a feedback. And, and generally you've designed that product and you think that you have done a great job because you know a lot of stuff, what's happening in maybe UK or US for that matter. Yeah. And uh, it's great that you know that and you can import ideas from there, but the local market could react to it very local in a local term. Not getting a global context. Exactly, right? So I think what the industry, I, 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 would, I would put it back on the industry rather than anyone else. I think what the industry needs to do is a lot of research on what the actual consumer uh, requires. So just to share a story with you, and I would not name anyone. Uh, so I was working for an organization during, during my uh, last few years, and what I wanted to do was to go into the digitization of agri pickets. Or agri pickets. Agri pickets, right. Because that's an area nobody has gone into. So you can, you can imagine like, 53 or 54% of your uh, economy works in that yeah. area. Uh, the uh, largest portion of your GDP comes from Mekli. And I don't see digital uh, payments actually getting digitized over there. Right? It's a tough market to I'm not saying that it's, it was an easy thing to do. But since it's tough, nobody wants to dwell into it. So nobody wants to go there. So what I wanted to do was research, right? Because if you, if you talked about Igri, every crop has a different site. Every crop has a different funding source yeah. and a completely different, different economics, yeah. right? So there is a lot of research required before you can actually even talk about digitizing payments in that sector, yeah. right? And, but nobody is willing to spend that time and invest in, into that time to actually it is that area. So I, I, I think one thing that the industry needs to do is really invest on research of what the actual market scenarios are because digitization is not something that you just bring one import, yeah. right? Digitization is something that you have to firstly study the manual process that's going on that and change and, and harness that behavior into the digital world, right? So you cannot even change it completely. Yeah. You have to adopt that process into the digital world in a way where it's understandable for them to adopt it. So I personally feel a lot of effort needs to go into that. But because you say this, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Why is there no investment happening over here? Why is there no research happening over here? It's, it's a tough job to do. It's to go there because it's, it will not yield results immediately. It would, it would, you would need to have a a five to 10 years vision yeah. and a five to 10 years agenda to do that. Uh, if you, if you, if I go into digitizing agri, I would probably need six months or a year just to invest on research, yeah. right? I would have to travel the entire country, look at crops in different provinces in Pakistan, uh, different uh, areas uh, have different cycles. So I would have to study everything. And based on that, even if I do a pilot and a small thing, of course, the result of that is not that magnified. Yeah. Look, we have to understand that the, in the financial services space, people work, and in every business, people work for profits, right? Yeah. So the, the best idea is what gets you profit profitable in, in one year or six months or two months. Yeah. 
not where you have to go and research over you know? so i think that that is lacking but this that argument right to be made is one that if you go into a coal mine it could take you three years to strike coal but then when you make profits you make profits for delicious cup but you mm-hmm. have to believe in that right yeah so if you believe in that i'll I, I tell you something so if, if you believe in that yes you would go and invest just gather a lot of money to do it yeah <laughs> okay so now what, what do you think is uh the challenges and actually more famous being this test let's talk about zoom broader macro perspective finally what do you see where where do we stand right now compared to let's say three years ago okay and where do you see the next five years okay so compared to last three years i think a lot has changed and a lot of change has changed due to COVID as well, yeah. right? So a lot of digital payments are now being adopted because people became used to making payments directly uh, during COVID times because they do not did not have an option. So a lot of people who would shy away from having uh, making digital payments would now be making digital payments. So I'll, I'll, I'll share something with you. I, I'm doing something right now on a personal front. And it requires a lot of payments to be made. Every shop I go to, I have made a digital payment. Okay. Um, they might not have an acceptance of option, but they will give me their account. So one thing that I want to take away from is, again, another myth that I want to bust is that people shy away from tax. Because if they were, they would not offer me their account to transfer funds into those. Right. It's a digital transfer. It's traceable. It's in the bank account. Merchants are open to accept payments into their bank accounts. Mm. Right? Uh, I'll tell you the personal thing. I'm constructing a house. Everything related to a house, from buying uh, ceramics to buying electricity stuff, on buy everything, I've paid it. And nobody has asked me, no, I won't want the payment. I would pay to take payments in cash. So a lot of people talk about that tax. People want to evade tax and therefore they are not accepting payments. I don't buy that. I believe people are accepting payments. It's mainly because they don't want to share uh, charges. That's that's one major reason. Secondly, awareness. Awareness on what option that they have available to accept payments. These are the main two reasons uh, that people do not accept payments. So in the last three years, this has changed. People are now willing to pay to take their payments. Where this takes us in the next five years depends on how good we were. So now if the people are willing to take their payments, it's for ours, our, us as, as an industry, we are responsible to actually provide them options which are viable, one, and convenient for them to accept to do their dice. So I think that's, I think, and, and I think there's a lot of good work happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm quite optimistic that in the next five years, you'll see a, a, an explosion of digital bears and rocks. I have to get this out of my system. What you, I don't disagree with what you just said. Um, but I also feel like it has to do with, depending on which SEC you work with. If two people from the same SEC, and let's say that they're an SEC A, and there's a retail transaction happening, real estate transaction happening as well, the, the conversation of what's documented versus undocumented comes up. And then there's still that room for cash base, not digital payment. How do we tackle that? Because it's also a matter of then overall well-being and 
uh, and helps for the economy too. And there's a benefit to the other businesses that are off the receiving end of it. I, I didn't get your point. When so you sell a property, yeah. the property ends up, the conversation ends up being like cash get back or bank get back. Right? Whereas the phone payment would have been written through a check, check could have been deposited in the person's bank or it would fully documented. Right? But that is being avoided because of the tax structure that's involved. Not only really the tax structure, also regarding the source of funds, you don't want to clear that. Source of funds, I'll come to the question. So, what do we need to do to maybe start disincentivizing those kind of transactions happening on cash? The higher ticket, the bigger ticket items. Yeah. Look, frankly, where we are standing today, this is this is like the least of our brains right now because. For us to digitize the retail side transaction right now is probably the primary focus. Like when I say the retail... No, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm not even talking about for you in the business. Yeah. I'm talking about your view on how this would help the whole economy. Right? Because what you're doing also bringing people onto the into a documented sector, encouraging them to use that, having awesome transactions, so of course, going to help grow the economy. Right? But there's another side of the economy, which even if you're not focused on, I just want to hear your thoughts on what could be done over there. Okay, so look, this is this is this is a process. So it's just not something that will that will happen in every walk of life immediately. Right. So as you as you start to initiate this process, you would see the low ticket size transactions digitizing itself first. So it's about the ticket size that you're dealing with, right? So the 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 kind of ticket size that you talk about about the property is a ticket size that's most difficult to digitize, mm -hmm. right? So the the initial bit is to digitize the lower micro and retail transactions, right? That's 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 the idea. Once you're able to do that, and that becomes digitized, because the 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 property sale, there are a lot of other things attached to it. The valuation of the property in the papers is is something that has been debated for 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 a very long time. And how to how to get the right valuation of it, right? So I believe that there there are more complex issues there, which 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 are more than just the payment leg of it. So I think that's for some expert on the property side to answer, because I think it's more to do with the valuation of the property than the payment leg. Because I believe every transaction, because payment is result of any, any transaction that is happening in the real world, right? Any transaction which is documented and there's an invoice value to it, that invoice value can be paid digitally and can be actually digitized and, and that payment can be recorded. But if the invoice value is different, it's not a payment issue. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an issue of the invoicing and for that you might want to do, you want to get into e-invoicing or valuation of all the properties, uh, things like those. I'm not an expert there, so probably those are more relevant areas to look at. Okay, all right, thank you. Say, fair enough. So, sir, I have uh, one last question for you. I appreciate you being patient with me throughout all of this. Um, and I did ask all of the guests this question. Um, if you could go back in time and meet your younger self, what would you say to him? Okay, so if I were to be my younger self, probably I'll, I'll tell him to do whatever uh, comes straight to your heart. Because that's how I lived my life and I've integrated it. So uh, I, would, I would just encourage him to keep doing that. Oh, yeah.
Yeah, follow you. All right. And if there was one message that you would like to say to all those that are that are running their businesses right now, other than try running for sustainability and profitability, what would you like to say to them? Be brave. Because uh, we understand this is prime times. And we understand that this is the, these times uh, will test you. Big. But since you have not, uh, since you asked me not to mention those, but if you're going in the right direction, be brave, you will succeed. You're getting to sustainability approximately. So thank you so much for your time. This is great. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. That was uh, Mr. Fawad Atul Kadir from Paymob. Um, check it out. Maybe you want to start your own online business. I'm sure Paymob can help. Of course you can. Awesome. Take care, everybody. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you.